Hello and welcome back to HR on the Grapevine, the HR Grapevine podcast that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories from over the last seven days. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media, who is responsible for overseeing all of the content across our three separate sites and also influences daily news agendas. Not only that, he has researched into the state of leadership in HR in one of our most recent cover features called HR on Top and investigated the media storm into the Twitter accounts um, that posed as Amazon employees to defend poor workplace practices. So welcome back, Dan. It's a pleasure to have you here again. Thank you for having me again, Soph. So in this week's podcast, we're going to chat about a story that we ran last week, which we titled Colleague Reported to HR for Chewing Too Loudly. So essentially, the story does what it says on the tin and an employee was reported um, to HR for eating too loudly at their desk. Um, The disgruntled employee who was referred to as Amy in the Twitter thread um, apparently kept a food diary as evidence of Um, her colleagues' regular snack patterns to prove that not only she was causing a distraction to the office, um, her productivity was taking a hit because she was constantly grazing and munching on various different snacks. Um, So the employee um, that had been reported to HR took to Twitter claiming that the company's culture is very food orientated and that staff at the firm are actually provided with snacks and drinks um, that they can um, graze on throughout the day. Um, So this story garnered a wealth of views and reader comments highlighting some core HR issues, particularly around the um, scope of sort of noise and office design, productivity, uh, the potential of overworking, uh, causing people to, you know, to eat at their desk um, and overall kind of um, employee experience. So, Dan, I think the first topic to get stuck into is the impact that office design can have on employees and indeed workplace productivity. Yeah, so... First of all, this story obviously can be come at from a variety of different angles. Um, but for me, when I when I was reading it, I thought one of the most interesting was why eating, uh, quote unquote, El Desco um, <laughs> was a problem. Um, obviously, we can look at it from an employee relations point of view, like are your employees actually annoying each other? Um, is it a hygiene issue, which is more health and safety? But I thought it was really interesting from the point of view that it potentially showed that staff at this firm don't have a designated space to take a break, which is really bad for them, but also yeah, really good, uh, really bad for the employees, employer as well. There's a lot of e- research out there that shows people work more effectively if they take breaks. Um, but that's not to say that you should be forcing them to. Um, I know Bruce Daisley, who is one of the MDs at Twitter and has written quite extensively about HR, has said that actually if you try and enforce people to do a certain thing at work, such as go and eat their lunch there in the corner or to take a break at a certain time, then you take away all the benefits that they might have got by taking that break. Um, also, it's not to say that people don't want to eat their lunch at their desk or eat a snack at their desk. They might want to spend their lunch doing something better for them, such as exercising, going for a walk, chatting mm. to colleagues, life admin, all of these things that we do there. But to move it on, there's a deeper question about 
why they're eating at their desk? Could it be because they actually prefer eating at their desk? Is it an individual choice? Is it because, as you touched on, they're overworked or because the company culture prefers them to be sat at their desk and appearing to be always on? Now, I know on um, this podcast, so if you've talked a lot about always on culture and burnout, so I think one of the interesting ways that... One of the interesting things that this story shines a light on is office design, um, which I know is something of increasing interest to HR. On a basic level, it asks, are UK pl- employees and workers being given a space to take lunch? So one study last year found that over half of workers had no space to take lunch. It sounds really bad on the surface, but actually there's no legal stipulation that workers need to have a space for lunch. So whilst workers are entitled to a 20-minute break away from their workstations, the employer can actually decide when they are taken and they don't have to pay workers for West press breaks one of the interesting well it isn't a clause actually it it doesn't exist but one of the interesting non-clauses of this piece of law at least to my knowledge is that workers it doesn't say there has to be a separate space for them to have a lunch even though there's lots of research saying there's a benefit if they do um which isn't in my opinion to say that employees can get away with not having a separate lunch space it would be easy to disengage staff if there was a an austere office with scrimps on square footage um, and cuts away at potential lunch areas or doesn't have a tea or coffee area or a kitchenette space, which we all know yeah. employees love. It's a good place to have downtime. Um, in fact, there is a lot of noise at the moment, probably because we are in a different, difficult macroeconomic climate, that taking away even basic benefits such as tea, as co- tea and coffee, whilst it might appear to be a small cut, actually hits morale really, really hard. But It's a slight digression, but the point is that the upshot in mood and morale by having even a simple space for lunch that is away from a workstation can be really good for employees. In fact, seven in 10 employees said if they don't leave their workspace for lunch, they work less productively after in the afternoon, which we all know there's like a post-lunch slump that exists. It's good for employees to be able to get away to try and mitigate that. Um, And in in fact, another separate study found that ahead of all the glamorous perks and benefits like ping pong tables, beanbags, sofas, all that jazz, having a lunch area came out on top as the feature staff would most like to have in their office. Yeah. I mean, I think um, it's quite difficult to determine, particularly in this case, about whether or not um, this employee is snacking at her desk because she doesn't physically have time to get out or whether or not she just wants something to keep her going. I mean, if I think about what we do in the office, we're always sharing snacks with one another. Yeah. We've always got things like editorial bake-off going on um, because not only it just gets, you know, a sweet treat to get you through the day, but it really helps boost morale as well. Yeah, completely but actually, after publishing this piece, um, another issue came to our attention um, about um, misophonia. So according to WebMD, misophonia is classified as a disorder um, where certain sounds trigger emotional or physiological responses that may be perceived as unreasonable, um, given, you know, potentially the, the petty circumstance. Um, this actually affects one in 6.5 adults. So one of our readers, um, and there was a couple that actually commented mirroring the same sort of train of thought, um, said that she understood the employee's frustration. So she understood Amy's frustration um, at, you know, getting annoyed at the sound of the colleague munching throughout the day. Um, She actually said, colleagues' eating habits of work have actually caused me to move jobs twice. Um, It's not the general eating of lunch like a civilised human being, but more the constant grazing on, I guess, sort of noisy um, snacks such as crisps, nuts, gum, that really makes my blood boil. Um, She said she's actually snapped once before um, as a result of this. Um, She also says it uh, puts her on constant edge 
Um, and she's always listening out for the rustling of a packet or opening of a bag and readying herself to flee. Um, so to some people, those n- noises might seem um, quite petty, but to others it is a real trigger um, and can be quite exhausting for them. Some users commented on the Twitter thread saying they were actually sympathetic, that noisy eating and unwarranted office distractions are really irritating. Um, Though they actually criticised Amy for monitoring her colleagues' eating patterns for two reasons. So A, she didn't get permission to be monitoring her colleague and writing down all of the different snacks and the different times that she's eating. But B, it also imprinted on her own productivity, which was a main... Um, bugbear for Amy that her colleague wasn't getting any any work done because she was constantly snacking Um, but I guess really the key takeaway from this section of the podcast is just to be aware of your surroundings and be sensitive to the colleagues around you. Um, This brings us on to the next issue about employee experience. Um, Increasingly HR has a bigger role on their hands, one which revolves around kind of creating and carving out a positive employee experience which can be created by things such as office design which Dan touched upon um, and underpinned by having a strong corporate culture. So ultimately employees need to feel comfortable in their immediate work environment so that they can thrive. So creating a positive experience is often cited as a key determiner for engagement, productivity, retention, lots of other you know beneficial aspects for the business which ultimately positively impacts on an organisation's bottom line if it's done correctly. So from an employee engagement um, and experience perspective, Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think it's a really good point, Soph. Um, I think essentially office design might have originally come under the operations or facilities function, but as HR starts to think about the employee experience, because business leaders now think employee experience is fundamental to their success, but as HR starts to think about that, in a more holistic way, they'll start to take things such as office design into account. Um, so it does dovetail with the idea of like good office design. So if we take as a hypothetical that this person in the story was eating there because they didn't have a lunch space, let's just pretend that's true for the moment. <laughs> let's keep that hypothetical. Yeah, now. let's keep that going. Um, it could be because they didn't have anywhere else to go or alternatively, the employee sitting next to them didn't have another space that they could work in that would offer them a quiet environment to just keep like going. Like desking or exactly, breakout rooms. Exactly. Yeah. So in fact, some basic research on office space has found that 25% think their office is too cramped, whilst worryingly 15% say they can't even think. So if we take the HR, if we put a HR lens on that for a moment, it's about how can HR get the business, the core business's ear and say, actually, we need to think about our office design. Now, one firm who have done this to like the most extreme example are Mighty, who are the facilities and kind of like office space experts. They've yeah. got an incredible office in the Shard, which I have um, gone to visit. That's not a plug for Mighty, but Ooh. do try and sneak in there <laughs> if you can. It is absolutely fantastic. And I'm not saying that all firms can be able, will be able to do this, but there's some like fundamental learnings they can take from what Mighty are doing. So I've actually got a list of some of the things that Mighty have done in their office, which, you know, as you said, so they've got some hot desking, desking, which is amazing. But they've also got things like employees can order a coffee from their mobile phone, which is connected to some like central app. They've got mood lighting, which actually changes with what kind of like lighting you need to get on with certain works and change the different points of the day. They've got breakout areas, obviously. They've got quiet zones. Um, they've got biophilic design. So the area that you're sat in actually matches to what you need, which is That's incredible. Amazing. So obviously not all firms can do this. We're not almighty who have an office in the Shard in London. Yeah. But the idea that 
fundamentally, all HR departments can look at creating different zones in the office, even if you've got a small office space. So, you know, one person who wants to get on with work and doesn't want to sit next to a person who's being really, really noisy can do so. Um, I actually recently spoke to Gensler too, and they're like one of the biggest office space designers in the world. Again, they're designing for the likes of Netflix and Facebook. So not all firms will be able to do what Gensler are doing, which is like the peak of office design and environment building and employee experience building. But when I spoke to one of their chief designers, he said it's really important to have diversity of workspace settings in your workplace um, in order to provide workers with a choice, which fundamentally, if they had this, this story would have never happened. We'd never be reporting on it because they'd have just moved away or there'd be a lunch space or a quiet zone. So there we go. We wouldn't have any news to write. We probably would be out of a job if companies design their office space better. But um, it also, like, the Gensler designer also said a couple of things to me which really, really resonated, which is that in this age of looking at employee experience as fundamental to success, your office design actually showcases what kind of culture you have as an office. He was saying nowadays employees want flatter hierarchies, they want different spaces to work. They don't like the idea of uh, prestige corner offices where the manager sits and no one gets access to them. So your office space should reflect that and reflects the culture. Ergo, reflect we're actually sparks a good employee experience, which, as you said at the start, all like earnest HR practitioners know that reflects in your employee engagement scores, it reflects on your employer brand, your ability to retain. And even things like Glassdoor scores as well. Exactly. It's a, a key enabler for... So something as simple talent. as giving, you know, like a quiet zone and a noisy zone in your office hits your Glassdoor score, it attracts your ability to attract talent or it yeah. impacts your ability to attract talent rather, engage and retain them. So I think all HR practitioners should be thinking about this as part of their remit these days. Absolutely. So I think, you know, the key takeaway for HR practitioners is just be aware of the office environment and make sure that the facilities you have available um, are diverse and are kind of matched to the different individuals' um, needs um, and things like that. Obviously, we were touching on different budgets. Some companies might have huge corporate budgets to kind of play around with office design, um, but there are simpler things that um, employers can do um, on the lower end of the budget to keep employees engage and you know to fulfill a positive employee experience but unfortunately that's all we've got time for today hr grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content whether that's our daily newsletters monthly magazines webinars live events market lead and research papers and even our brand new podcast series so to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletter which also showcases solutions and answers to best hr practice um, please visit www.hrgrapevine.com